0: and a happy labor day
1: monday september 5th the year 2022 to you and yours i hope you're enjoying your day off we are here for the next 2 hours talking about a one of the most bizarre craziest um heartbreaking games these eyes have ever seen as lsu loses to Florida State twenty-four to twenty-three. The Raging Cajuns were victorious this weekend and looking good in their win over Southeastern twenty-four to seven. And it's uh some work to do for McNeese as they try to get back to the elite of the FBS they look good for 29 minutes the final 31 montana state showed the difference and the bobcats cruised on in front of uh, 22,000 fans to a 40-17 win saturday night so we are one up two down the saints will try and um even steven it um as they open up their season on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. So, my main man, James Mesh, is back in the master control suite. No days off. We are the New England Patriots of old. No days off. He is spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. And if you happen to be in the Acadiana area near a television set. Pop it on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber.
0: Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines.
1: Well, it uh, it, it was a long one last night in Caesars Superdome. And for Brian Kelly, the work the hard work is just beginning. So many new players, so many new faces, so many new coaches. We all knew that LSU had some work to do uh, to bring this program back to relevancy and as a contender, not only in the SEC West, but on the national landscape. Now we've seen one 60-minute game, and now anybody with a a bit of logic will see and will know just how much work he has to do to fix everything and everything that went wrong in a bizarre 24-23 loss to Florida State in the season opener last night in Caesar Superdome. Look, LSU messed up a lot of stuff, and it was a team effort. Offense, defense, and, oh, those special teams. We all kind of bought into Brian Kelly's public pronouncements about the improvement of the offensive line to, from the spring to the late summer. Hmm. Uh, Florida State's defensive line was more active in the Tigers' backfield than LSU's running backs were. And, by the way, LSU has absolutely no running game LSU's defense and nobody told them there's four downs to a possession. Tigers were good on first down. They were good on second down. They were horrendous on third down. The Seminoles 11 of 15 third down conversions. And it seemed like they had more than that. When the defense finally got off the field. Well, um, it's time for the special teams. And what do you say? What do you say about that? Um, My poor boy, Malik Neighbors, muffed two punts near LSU's goal line. He'll never return a punt again. Florida State recovered both. Miraculously, near LSU's goal line, Florida State got zero points off those turnovers. I swear, I think... Mike Norvell, the coach at Florida State, had money on the game. I don't know what he was doing, what he was thinking. Um, early in the game, he goes for it on fourth down by the goal line. You never, you don't do that. Fourth and seven, fourth and eight. You, you get points. You put points on the board, and then late with a chance to ice it after the second Malik Neighbors muffed punt. All you got to do is run the ball up the middle because the clock is the enemy of LSU. And you're you're ready to salt the game away and you do a short little pitch to a running back who fumbles it and LSU recovers. Wow. So the miscues didn't cost the Tigers any points, but in terms of field position and time, it was pretty darn significant, pretty darn significant. And then field goal attempts, extra point attempts. Uh, two kicks were blocked, a 30 yard field goal attempt in the second quarter. And of course, after LSU takes it 99 yards in a buck 20 uh, to, tie, to to get within one, uh, the point after attempt that would have forced overtime after time it expired and regulation was blocked. Me personally, and this is not hindsight, you can ask the people that were around me after LSU scored to get within one and no time on the clock after going 99 yards, I said, they gotta go for two. You gotta go for the win here. You'd already had a field goal blocked, okay? But the most important thing is you had momentum on your side. That Florida State defense had to be tired. They were, I mean, I know it was a minute 20, but they were boop, 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 back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yes, they did have a long break to see if our tight end's knee was down. So they, they did catch a break there. They did get get some water and all, but I still think, and again, not hindsight, not because LSU got the extra point attempt blocked. I just thought at the time you go for the win here. Um. But that's neither here nor there. LSU went for it, uh, the extra point, and it didn't happen. Um, LSU just can't tackle. They can't tackle. And we're still waiting on word of Mason Smith, um, whose injury looked pretty darn significant. Um and that, I mean, that was on the first defensive series. Didn't return to the sideline till the start of the third quarter, sporting a knee brace and walking on crutches. He's supposed to have an MRI today. Brian Kelly will meet with the media tomorrow. Um, so the offense, no running game. Very, very conservative play calling from Mike Denbrock. Now you see why Jaden Daniels was named the starting quarterback. I thought he was good. I thought he was very good. Hell, he was under constant pressure. I mean, he had to get out running. Some people saying, well, he didn't stay in the pocket and, and read his progressions. Well, maybe not early on, but he's running for his life. He had no time. He had absolutely no running game. He was the entire offense, running it, throwing it. Did he miss some receivers? Yes, yes. But he kept his poise. He made good decisions. He made important plays with his arm. He made important plays with his legs. I thought he was really good. He kept LSU in the game for 60 minutes when the Tigers looked like they were out of it in the third quarter because he had little to no help. And I just got to get this off my chest. Kayshawn Booty. Um, I don't like to call out college players, but he's all about himself. He's not about the team. He's not getting the ball thrown to him and he gives up and quits. He's complaining all the time. And, and to the point that he just stopped running a route and Jaden Daniels put the ball right on the money would have been a touchdown. He never saw it because he never ran, never, never ran the route properly, didn't do what he was supposed to do. He's all about I, 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 I can't stand it, cannot stand it. I'd sit his butt on the bench. And now, of course, the big talk is, okay, well, his draft stock is now going. (whistles) How soon before he packs it in. Says he's got some kind of injury, and he's going to sit out the year and get ready for the NFL Combine. I can see that happening much sooner than later. I really can. The good thing, besides Jaden Daniels, LSU didn't quit. They scored 13 points in the final four minutes and change after managing just 10 points in nearly 56 minutes. So they didn't give up. And that's not insignificant. That is very significant. But there's a lot, a lot of work to be done. Plain and simple. Um, we'll hear from Brian Kelly, some of the Tigers coming up in just a minute. Uh, we'll recap the Cajuns big win over Southeastern. Corey Diaz will join us for that. In our number two, Jim Gazzolo will recap the tough loss. Um, and 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 look, nobody expected. McNeese to go up to Bozeman to win. Very few good teams do. But I think there's a silver lining to that loss. And we'll talk to Jim about that. Adam Spencer will join us. The SEC went 13-1 and this weekend. The lone loss. Yes, LSU. And I may be wrong, but after watching college football, and it's very early, it's just week one, I just kind of get the feeling we're heading for another SEC championship game, and another national championship game between Alabama and Georgia. And this time, I got Alabama winning it all. And I might be wrong, but I know voters don't like to do it. But that Bryce Young, he he might win his second Heisman Trophy back-to-back. We'll see. We'll talk to Adam Spencer about that. Then we'll get uh, always animated. Blake Ruffino from the Are You Serious podcast, and we'll talk more about the Tigers. We'll open up the phone lines. We never do this, but you may have something you want to get off your chest. 706-0111. 706-0111. It's a Monday morning quarterback. It's your Monday afternoon quarterback. It's your opportunity. Voice your opinion. Look. I know there's somebody out there that want to fire the coach. you want to fire the offensive coordinator want to fire the special teams coach. I know you want a new quarterback in there. I mean, look, it's one game. It's one game. We will see. But when you think of Florida State, that's a middle of the pack bottom of the pack SEC team. Heck, they've picked to finish like fifth out of seven teams in their division in the ACC. So the competition is going to get a lot tougher, a lot tougher. How about them Florida Gators? How about Billy Napier? How about that quarterback? Huh? Sheesh. Golly. Um, It's not going to get easier. All right. We'll take our first time out of the day. Again, the number 706-0111. You got something you want to say about the Tigers, the Cajuns, the Cowboys, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. We don't do it very often, but we're going to do it now. And if you don't call, we're not going to do it again, I promise you. All right, we'll be back. The Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. Football season's here. The game, 103.7 Laugh at 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Rage and Cajun football games, and so much more. Enter in the game rewards club at 103.7thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, Doors and the game 706-0111 if you want to voice your opinion on anything here's brian kelly after the ball game his uh his opening statement to the media at around 10 30 10 45 last night
2: i'll begin by uh, congratulating florida state you know they outplayed us in the first half certainly mistake after mistake for us uh and particularly in the first half and uh you know obviously more mistakes in the second half we we started to overcome some of those and um, you know played with I would consider more of a sense of urgency you know with the last 12 minutes but uh, you know our margin for error was, was so small that we couldn't make any more mistakes. Um, I was proud of our resolve we battled but you know we just have to learn how to play the game the right way and that is for four quarters we we didn't play with um, the kind of sense of urgency that i want for four quarters and that was evident in our play we didn't tackle very well we couldn't get off the field on third down we didn't execute very well offensively we had two turnovers in in, in our punt return game which we thought would be an asset for us and then we had a block field goal and, and a blocked extra point anytime you have those kinds of situations you're setting yourself up for a long night and despite all of those things i stand here in front of you with an opportunity to to bring the game into an overtime situation
1: thank you mike norvell thanks to you it it was it was a nail biter at the end Um, offensive line didn't do well receivers weren't getting much separation Uh, defense couldn't tackle and then special teams well
2: Here's the head coach on that debacle. Well, I've been doing this a long time. You know, you you put a guy back there and and, and a guy like Malik Neighbors, and you watch him, you evaluate him through four weeks of practice, and, you know, you feel comfortable that that with his elite skill set and uh, his mindset that he's going to be able to do a great job, and that wasn't the case. That was a mistake that we made. He wants to do it and we'll have to reevaluate that situation. He's a great kid. We didn't lose the game because he dropped those two punts. Uh, we miraculously were able to overcome those. You, you usually wouldn't, but that's, um, you know, that's on us. You know, We made that evaluation. We watched him catch punts, and we felt like he was in a position that he could do that for us. As it relates to the, the field goal, uh, it came from the same left side. We made an adjustment after the uh, field goal and, and made a, a switch in personnel. And um, that didn't work either. Uh, that's, on, that's us. That, that's a, we have to do a better job coaching.
1: Okay, so there's all the negative. Um, let's talk about what went well. And from the coach's perspective, here's Brian Kelly on the positive side
2: of a tough loss. What we did well is we battled. Part of the way we battled. What obviously we need to do better is play with a sense of urgency for four quarters which we did not. What we learned is we've got to coach better. I mean we've got to have our kids coached in in a manner where they're ready and, and I'm accountable for that and we have to have them tackling better, executing better in all phases. So So there you go. A three-hour,
1: 49-minute marathon. Um, I thought Jaden Daniels, again, I I thought there was a lot to like about him. I thought there was a a lot to admire about him in his official LSA debut. Look, he ran for 114 yards. He passed for 209. You combine those two, that's 323 yards from scrimmage, which represented, get this, a staggering 93% of LSU's total offense. In all, Daniels ran or passed on 51 of LSU's 66 plays. No wonder he was getting treatment for a leg cramp that had been fighting throughout the fourth quarter when he didn't see Shaheen Brown's blocked extra point at the end. He was hurting. Um he didn't complete the comeback, but he fought. Man, he gave his team a chance, and that's that's all you can ask. And that's more than any of us could have imagined after the way LSU started the first three quarters, there was nothing, nothing. Look, they Florida State laughed at LSU's offensive line, laughed at them. They laughed at LSU's attempt to run the football, laughed at it. So there's Jaden Daniels just doing whatever he can to make it happen was he perfect no far from it he was he he was inaccurate with some throws and early on yeah he looked like he wanted to scramble instead of going through his progressions but man he didn't get any help he just didn't and this offensive line (laughs) struggled against florida state's experienced front seven lsu said that They came up with some new stunts and some blitz packages that they had never seen before. Well, welcome to big league football. you got to be able to adjust on the fly. Adjust on the fly. The receivers dropped uh, an unusual number of passes. And we had something that reared its ugly head in in real time as it had in practice. An errant shotgun snap from center that really took seven points off the board on the opening drive. Who knows what happens if LSU punches that in, if they don't have the bad snap from Dellinger. They always say you practice as you play. Well, he'd been doing that, and it reared its ugly head at a very inopportune time during the ballgame. So it's an opening game. They still got still got a bunch of games left to go. Granted, the... Um, the competition's competition is going to get a little bit better. There's no question. Um, I don't think Daniels and the offense were helped in the first half. I don't know what Mike Denbrock was thinking, but it was really vanilla as compared to what Florida State was trying to do. It was different. Um, hmm. And uh, I don't know. New coaches, new system, new offensive line. New new special teams players, new snapper, new secondary. Boy, they, they, they've got to communicate better. That's, I mean, 11 of 15 third-down conversions. How many times did you see Florida State wide receivers wide open? I mean, wide open. The ball would be thrown. LSU would come up too little, too late. First down, Florida State. So, how much how much do you value the Seminoles already having a game under their belt? Maybe. Um, I don't know. But Denbrock's got to get better. The O-line has to get better. The tackling has to get better. Special teams must get better. Or this is going to be, look, the Southern University, we're that, not talking about that. We're talking about the SEC games down the road. Again, this is not a great Florida State team by any stretch of the imagination. Thus, LSU, as poorly as they played, still had a chance to win it. Still had a chance to win it. Um man, that SEC is going to be rough. And we'll see. But all all look, fans, short for fanatics, and I love you. You pay all the money in the world to support that program. You have every right to voice your pleasure your displeasure your disdain and all that but um do it to the coaches don't do it to the players i don't think the players are purposefully making me do you really think malik neighbors dropped those punts on purpose no now maybe maybe a wide receiver didn't run the right uh route on on purpose because he was pouting and sulking and showing his immaturity When's the last time somebody that wore the number seven jersey actually was worth a dern? The honey badger? After that, I mean, it, it's been kind of a curse, if you ask me. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see if they can get all on the same page. But um Wow. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen a game like that. Never seen a game like that. Where LSU said, oh, we don't want it. You take it. Florida State comes right back, says, we don't want to win this thing. We're going to fumble it back to you. You go win it. LSU marches down the field. And again, this is not, I promise you, this is not hindsight. Whether we win or lose it, I'd have gone for two. For all the reasons therefore mentioned, I'd have gone for two and try to win the darn thing. And what do you think the LSU fan base would have felt if LSU went for two? Well, if they had won it, oh, my gosh, the greatest comeback maybe in the history of LSU football. And if they didn't, the fans would say, you know what? At least the coach tried. At least the coach had some guts, and uh, he went for it. I know he talked about the percentages factor in and all that, and that's fine and dandy. I'm not an analytics guy. That's why I don't make $10 million a year. I just got a feel for the game. And that Florida State defense was reeling. We just scored, and it was time to go for the jugular, in my opinion. Doesn't mean I'm right, doesn't mean I'm wrong. It's just my opinion, sitting here in the cheap seats, in the cheap seats. That's just me. All right, 24 23. The more we talk, nothing's going to change. It's up to the coaches. It's up to the players. Southern comes into town, what, 83 to zip wins, a win over some team I never heard. Florida Memorial had to be a high school team. But anyway, it's a great opportunity for Southern. They'll get a big paycheck. The stadium will be packed, and LSU will try to right their wrongs and go from here on out. Again, tomorrow, um, Brian Kelly will address the media, and uh, we'll have it here. On 1037 the game, 1041 the game, um, for you starting at 12 noon. So you can listen in on that. All right. We'll take a quick time out from a loss on a Sunday to a win on a Saturday. The Raging Cajuns, 24 7 wins oh, uh, winners over Southeastern. Corey Diaz will join us. He was in the stadium to see it and tell us the good, the bad, and well, there wasn't any ugly because they won. That's coming up next here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana.
0: They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the blonde bomber back to more of the Jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station like
3: everybody i thought he did a lot of really good things and i thought there were some that he left out there a little bit but that's 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 football that's playing playing quarterback you know there's a couple things in there that you know certainly we want to get fixed some of the progressions and stuff like that but i thought chandler did a really good job like i said we're going to let them throw the ball We're, we're going to we're going to throw it around and you know you have to be accurate you have to make good decisions you have to put the ball in the money and you got to finish the plays too so we're not going to play a game to try to hide a young quarterback that's just that's not good for our team it's not good for our development in the future so I was proud of him I thought he did a good job I thought for the most part handled it really well you know and it's a lot to build off of for him certainly a good confidence boost going into uh you know going into the next week.
1: Coach Michael Decimo uh, talking about his quarterback, Chandler Fields, who was 13 of 20 for a Buck 73 and a pair of touchdowns in the Cajuns' 24 7 win over southeastern Louisiana in the season opener at Cajun Field. Corey Diaz, who covers the Cajuns for the Daily Advertiser, kind enough to join us on this Labor Day. Uh, to talk about the opener and the uh, the coach Dez debut. Hello, Corey. Thank you so much for joining us on a on a work day today. We appreciate it. How you doing, buddy?
3: Hey, Jordy. We're we're laboring today, aren't we? I guess we didn't get the. Get the memo, like everyone
1: else. Yeah, we we're doing the old Bill Belichick, no days off. So um twenty four to seven. I I was I got to tell you, I was a little bit surprised by the score differential. I thought the the Lions would play a little bit better, but maybe the Cajuns just were dominant. So take me from start to finish. What what did you like about what you saw with this new look Cajun team?
3: Yeah, Jordy. Uh, sorry, I'm getting a little. Sorry for the delayed response. Get a little feedback, I guess, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I think what we saw, uh, I think the grandest takeaway from Saturday is that, you know, with with Levi Lewis gone and and, and Chandler Fields taking over at quarterback, and and obviously uh, the Napier errors no more, and we welcomed in the Michael DeZormo era. You know, I think, you know, I, I think there were a little bit of growth. I think we saw some growing pains uh, Saturday night. You know, going to take. Obviously, it's going to take more than you know one football game for this. You know, for all eleven guys on offense um, to one hundred percent completely come together. You know, I think there were a couple of throws that that you know I know Chandler obviously would love to have back. Um, you know, and I think too there were some there were some protections that I thought you know the offensive line um, you know would obviously have back a couple of sacks they gave up and um, you know I thought I thought the receivers and the tight ends uh, probably looked the most complete in, in the first outing of the year. Um, you know, I, I was I was a little surprised that, um, you know, that they went to the, the running backs, especially the, the backups in Jacob Cabody and Terrence Williams, and as well as Drayla Washington. Those guys got carries in this game as they did. I thought we'd see a little more of Chris Smith just to get him going in, in game one. But, you know, I thought decently, obviously, Eric, Eric Gehrer is the story, right? You know, with the yeah. interception and the – 83 yards returns for to a touchdown. He's a guy that you know this team is really going to have to rely on um, going forward in, in both aspects of, of his game there. Uh, but I thought the, overall defensively, you know, there's there's some guys that Southeastern that are you know SEC you know other Power Five conferences you know defects and um, you know it was a good little test for them out out there in game one and um, you know 24 seven you know is obviously Not the most inspiring score, you know, when you think about playing an FCS opponent, you know, in the opener. But, um, you know, I think overall, I I think Jeff is –
1: yeah, you gotta be pleased with that. You mentioned Garrar, Eric picked up his first weekly honors of this season, named the Sunbelt Conference Special Teams Player of the Week. That was announced earlier today. Remember, he had that second quarter punt, 83 yards for a touchdown. The return put up the Cajun 17 to zip. Um, He added a pair of tackles and his eighth career interception on the defensive side. So big-time game ball to Eric Garrar for that one. Um, Cajuns will return to action uh, Saturday, September 10th. They host Mid-American Conference member Eastern Michigan, who's also 1-0. Six o'clock contest, (coughs) excuse me, Cajun Field. Hey, nice little kudos here. Nationally televised on the NFL Network. Uh, What was the crowd like at Cajun Field Saturday?
3: Well, you know, uh, considering it's it's rained for what has felt like, you know, the entire month, um, you know, I think I think the, you know, the crowd that we saw at Cajun Field was was I think was probably to be expected. You know, obviously there there was some um, you know, some open areas in the stands, but uh, you know, I think the home side was um from every video and and photograph that I saw looks pretty much full. Um, you know, it was on the student side and and the the visiting team side. You know, where there were some 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 open spaces in the stands, but you know, again, just just considering the weather. I mean, um, I know we're all used to it down here in South Louisiana. We get it this time of year every year, but um, I, I'm not sure that you could ask for much more, uh, especially when you consider you know just just the opponent as well. Um, right, you know, southeastern, uh, and I get it. They're in-state school, and you know, probably a lot of their families and whatnot uh, traveled the game as well but you know i'm expecting a a larger crowd uh this saturday night against eastern michigan uh obviously you know eastern themselves probably won't be able to travel as many fans to this game as southeastern was but you know i think i think getting the prime time slot on a national um you know national channel that's um you know airing and i think the number that i've heard is 57 million households get the nfl network on their you know Streaming or cable packages, right? I, I mean, it's a really good opportunity for yes, it you know, the UL football program and the athletic department to really sort of showcase, yeah. you know, what they have, in Lafayette. So hopefully, normally they get those kind of games
1: on. on a- Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, but now they're on the center. So that's a good deal. You couldn't have asked uh, Corey Diaz of um, uh, the Daily Advertiser. You couldn't ask for a better start for Fields, a quarterback opening drive. They go 79, 79 yards and nine plays. He's a perfect four for four. Throwing it for 65 yards. um, And he hits um, uh, Lumpkin over the middle for a 28 yard touchdown strike with uh, a little less than uh, six minutes off the clock. So, from an opening drive perspective, man, the fans of us have been going crazy about Fields.
3: Yeah, you know, I thought he looked, you know, I thought he looked confident um, and really self assured, you know, on that opening drive. You know, and you and you have to credit you have to credit Johnny Lumpkin too on that on that touchdown grab, because you know that was a play that was actually designed to to go to the the lower routed um, you know tight end and Neil Johnson, but uh, Johnny kept running his route. Uh, he he mentioned in post game you know that the you know the safety for Southeastern was trying to bump him off of his line, and but he you know kind of big bodied him and and stayed stayed on it. And you know, and then you have to credit Chandler with putting that ball where only Johnny could catch it. And then you got to give credit again to Johnny because that was about as a strong-handed catch as I've seen in a while, you know, from anyone. Um, you know, and I think that that play in particular, especially for Lumpkin, you know, has has NFL aspirations and is already on a lot of teams, you know, draft boards. It's good for him to put those kinds of plays on tape because you know he he shows that you know in, in a contested window like that particular play was that he can you know he has strong enough hands to come down with the ball despite a you know a defensive back being all over him so uh, a perfect play and and again like you said Jordy I I thought I thought the drive was was scripted really well they went down and you know got those seven points and and Chandler mentioned it after the game you know he kind of felt like you know the, the offense kind of took their their foot off the gas pedal a little bit after that opening drive and and you know, as you can kind of, if you go back and watch the game, you know those those next few drives, it, it the, the offense didn't quite look like they had that same sort of urgency to them, and uh, and I think that kind of showed, you know, throughout m- much of the rest of the game, uh, because without the without the guard, or, you know, punt return, you know, it probably was ten to nothing going in the halftime, and you talk about an un- uninspiring yeah. score. I mean, a 10 nothing yeah. lead at halftime over Southeastern Louisiana is not going to get anyone excited. So, no. uh, you know, the offense has obviously got some things that they need to work out. But, you know, from just a first-drive standpoint, I mean, you couldn't ask for much more.
1: Uh, Corey Diaz, we're talking the Rage and Cajuns. Uh, 24-7 winners over Southeastern Louisiana. Coach Dez is 2-0. and He got that uh, bowl game win over Marshall last year to close out that season. Um, he hold Southeastern to seven. I know they have a new quarterback. What what impressed you about the way the Cajuns played on the defensive side of the ball?
3: Yeah, I thought, um, you know, I found myself gravitating more toward watching, um, you know, toward the defensive backfield, um, you know, because again, Trey Amos was uh, unable to play, you know, at cornerback uh, due to that injury that's still hampering him a little bit. So you had Amir McDaniel starting in that corner spot and. Uh, you know, and then you have you basically had three new safeties. You know, starting in their respective spots, and um, I thought, you know, you talk about setting a tone early. I think there was a play early on. I think it may have been Brandon Bishop. You know, on a on a you know a quick little throw that Cephas Johnson, uh, you know, Southeastern's quarterback, had to the flat there to a running back, I believe, and and, and Bishop read, read the play from the snap and. You know, was me. He was immediately Johnny on the spot and and made a you know a pretty big hit, you know, on their running back that was trying to catch the ball and and uh, you know I think that was just kind of a you know a tone setter uh, for this game defensively. Um, you know, I think there were some things that you know that that Southeastern did that I, I don't think um, they had done you know and they you know game film from you know previous years. Obviously, with this being game one, no game film from this particular season squad. So. You know there were some there were some new wrinkles that I think the defense saw, which uh, obviously allowed Southeastern to, you know, kind of move the ball a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think that that's a discouraging thing uh, for defense yeah. because, um, you know, you're always going to kind of get that in game one. And so um, I, I thought there I thought there was actually a really good job done by Lamar Morgan, you know, the, the, the new DC, and 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 his. You know, assistance on the defensive side and the players for being able to, to make those in game adjustments. That's usually the biggest thing you have to battle in the first game of the year is okay, what are we seeing and how can we adjust to it if things aren't quite going our way? And I thought that, you know, as the third quarter and fourth quarter really rolled around, um, I think you saw a UL defense that was, uh, you know, that had the clamps secured pretty tightly.
1: Very good. So uh, game one's in the books, a success because they won. Um, and with uh new head coach, new starting quarterback, that's that's pretty good. You get to play at home. Now you, you, you step up a little bit in competition, I would believe, with Eastern Michigan. And we'll see uh, how they handle week number two. Uh, Corey, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time, man, and uh, keep up the great work. And uh, we'll we'll be talking to you soon, my friend. Thank you. Sounds good, Jory. Appreciate you, my man. Take care. All right. Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser. You know that Delta Media is your home for high school football this year? As always, this season's lineup includes St. Thomas More on the game 1037 Lafayette, Acadiana High on MeTV FM 97.7 FM, Karen Crow High on Z1059, Southside High on Mustang 1071, the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5, and Barb on the game 1041 Lake Charles. Make sure to download this Free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday night football. We will take a time out. We'll come back with more. Wrapping up our number one on this Labor Day, Monday, September 5th, 2022. The Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana.
0: (laughs) Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station
1: back at 51 minutes after the hour on this uh, Monday, September the 5th. Uh, don't forget about the uh, Houston Astros. Time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Astros live and in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to the Houston Take-On Tampa Bay Saturday, October 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark hotel accommodations that Saturday night. This is the last Astros weekend giveaway of the regular season. Astros Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. LSU has like 23 commits. One of the less heralded commits is a wide receiver from Lovejoy High School in Lucas, Texas. His name is Kyle Parker. He's a three-star, 5'10", a buck 75. Well, um, He had quite the performance um, on Friday night, A a, a, a night for the history books. He dominated his opponent. He caught 23 passes, 23 receptions for 341 yards and three touchdowns. Twenty three receptions, three hundred forty one yards and three touchdowns. He committed to LSU over Texas, Louisville and Oklahoma State, amongst others. Twenty three receptions, three hundred twenty four yards. That is absolutely incredible so congratulations to him um it looks like they found a diamond in the rough in him 23 catches 341 yards a speedster a speedster according to data uh by a texas football site that's the third most catches and the 11th most receiving yards ever In a Texas high school football game, Um, Argyle defeated Lucas Lovejoy by a score of 56 to 49. So um, anyway, they didn't win the game. Uh, but he currently has an on three NIL valuation of $16,300. So not thinking very much about this five foot, 10 and a half, 180 pounder, but boy, did he have a game for the ages? Holy cow. Um, Speaking of major league baseball, um, the Houston Astros are just in good, good shape. Uh, as we head down the stretch run in this month of September, getting ready for playoff baseball. The Yankees lead the Rays by five and the Blue Jays by six and the Baltimore Orioles by eight and a half. It's neat. It's even Steven in the AL central, the guardians and the Minnesota twins both 68 up and 64 down, and the Chicago White Sox only trail by two games out of that position. The Astros uh, won yesterday, but the Seattle Mariners have won seven in a row, nine of their last ten, and they've cut the deficit to ten games, a a ten-game lead by the Astros in the AL West. Um, Got a horse race in the NL East. The Braves have won five in a row, the Mets have lost two in a row, and now the Mets lead the Braves by just one game in the NL East. My St. Louis Cardinals have won four in a row. They're charging and they have, uh, from two or three games down, they're now eight and a half games up over over the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm calling the NL Central to the Redbirds and the Dodgers. They just keep on winning. 92 wins for the season uh, and they lead the Padres by 19. Um... Aaron Judge hit home run number fifty-three yesterday. Pretty good, and the the timeless wonder um, Albert Pujols hit yet another home run in his Hall of Fame career, and now um, he, he he's he's getting closer and closer and closer to. The 700 Club. He's five home runs away from becoming just the fourth member of the 700 Home Run Club, joining Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds. What if Albert Pujols has 699 homers when the season ends? He's got to come back and play another year, right? Or at least till he gets 700, then retire. Shoot. All right. Our number one's in the books coming up, hour number two. More uh, football talk. We'll talk about the McNeese State Cowboys. We'll go around the SEC and more on that 24-23 heartbreaker uh, for LSU. Um, our number two straight ahead, the Geordie Helper Show in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and Astros in southwest Louisiana. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Labor Day. I hope you're having a great day off. If you are, thanks for tuning us in in whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it's on the radio, 1037 FM in Lafayette, 1041 FM in Lake Charles, whether it's streaming, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, or if you're in the Acadiana area and you got a television set on, you have, uh, uh, you're watching us because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Um, start off hour number two, really unfortunate news for LSU and for Defensive tackle Mason Smith, um, he will miss the rest of the season with a torn ACL. He's going to have surgery in a few weeks, uh, and that's just an absolute Shame in regards to some other things out there on social media. LSU receivers Kayshawn Booty, Malik neighbors Kyron Lacey scrubbing their social media accounts last night. We've been told it was just them going dark on social media going forward after large negativity after Sunday's loss. I'm told all were at film study today. So there you go. So we'll have much more on that down the road. Um, the McNeese Cowboys uh, had an unenviable task of going up to Bozeman, Montana, to take on one of the powerhouses in FBS football, and that's Montana State. In front of nearly 22,000 people, uh, the Bobcats got the win over the Cowboys, 40-17. to 17. Here is head coach Goff talking about – The offense and how they did some good things in the game. You well, know, I, I thought they did a good job. I mean, I got to watch the film and see. But, you know, um, we got to convert. We got to convert third downs. You
3: know, we, we can't we can't go three and out and put our defense right back out there. And, and to be honest, that was one of my fears coming into this ballgame. You know, we just hadn't had a whole lot of rhythm offensively at practice. And we, we got to come up with something and get that rhythm offensively at practice and uh, start playing a little bit more. I, I shouldn't say confidence. I, honestly, I thought the first half of the game, offense came out and had that confidence. It's just a drop here, a, a misread there, or a sack here. And again, when you're playing a great football team, they're going to cap
1: so the Gary Goff era is underway. Um, Jim Gazzolo made the trip to Bozeman, Montana, covering the, the, the Cowboys for the American press. Um, and he's kind enough to join us on this Monday. Hey, uh, uh, big guy, how are you, man? How's, how's life?
4: Uh, I'm fine. My, uh, my, long, uh, my gardener just cut my AT&T line, so I have no Internet. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> that life is fine.
1: Oh God, that's great. Um before we get to the game, how did you like the, the area? How beautiful was it in that part of the world?
4: It was hot. It was ninety eight degrees. <laughs> really? It was ninety eight degrees there and seventy four degrees in Lake Charles. So you wow. go figure. <laughs>
1: Who'd to thunk it all right um for 29 minutes I mean McNeese went toe to toe with that um, fourth ranked team in the football championship yep. subdivision uh what happened the following 31
4: minutes reality set in <laughs> <laughs> very very simple they got worn down they didn't get first down the, the key was they didn't get off they didn't keep their defense off the field in that period of time. There was a uh, nine, ten-minute period where they only had three offensive, four offensive plays, and in that period of time, they got outscored 16 nothing, And oh. that, was, that was, in essence, the game.
1: Hmm. All right. Jim uh, Gazzola with us. A um, couple of touchdown plays that I read about of longer than 60 yards, so it looks like there's some big play potential there.
4: Yeah, there is, and, and we knew that going in. What, what they didn't have was they didn't have some consistency. They didn't get first downs. Um, there was eighty. They ran uh, the Bobcats ran eighty offensive plays to I think it was forty-eight. Uh. Uh, so th- they didn't have the rhythm and consistency like College Goff talked about. That kept picking up first downs. That that kind of moved the chains, and that was the difference in the game. There was some plays there. Uh, a couple of drop passes early in the game and a couple of missed opportunities when they had an open Mason Pierce where they didn't hit him, which would have been first downs. It really kind of shortened their time on the field and really extended the defense this time. The defense by the end of the game just wore down.
1: How exciting was that? Uh, D'Angelo Durham, 75 yard straight up the middle, and then he just, uh, the transfer from Savannah State just outran everybody.
4: Yeah, he can, they're going to be able to run the football. There's, they've got some talent. They've got some tools. The question is, how do they can connect? What is the rhythm of the offense? When both your quarterbacks uh, were out for a week and a half of camp, mm-hmm. is there any rhythm, and how quickly can they get that rhythm, especially in the short passing game? Uh, they never really took the top off the ball off the defense, which we thought, but I think the big thing was that the short passing game didn't connect. It was out of rhythm.
1: Kadem was the starting quarterback. Um, it seems to me uh, the numbers, 11 of 21 for 126 yards. Durham had 85 yards on three carries. But it looked like Kadem was under uh, relentless pressure throughout the game.
4: Well, especially once they had to throw the football, they were. And, yeah. um, they had again, they had opportunities – they get first and goal at the three down uh, 10-7. Get to the one-yard line, but don't get in. So instead of taking the lead 14-10, they have to kick a field goal. Those are three points they left behind. They get a turnover, and it looks like a scoop and score, but he falls down uh, with a wide-open field in front of him. Mm. The next play, they get intercepted. So there were opportunities within the game, but that's a good team and a bad team. Is good teams take advantage, and they, the Bobcats took advantage of the situation, and then grinded it out and wore down McNeese. Once they got ahead, McNeese has to take advantage of their opportunities.
1: 40-17, the final score. Next up, the Cowboys continue their road uh, uh, road journeys. They travel to Houston to take on Rice this Saturday, 6.30 p.m. You talked about how important that game was. So, in overall, after what you've seen from McNeese and now what you see from this club, um, you got hope? I mean, you still have this belief that, man, they're heading in the right direction.
4: Well, there's hope that the future is better. <laughs> They're yeah. not they're not winning a national championship this no, year. But no, but the no, future no. is better because th- there's they here's the things they didn't. First of all, they kicked. they were three for three in kicking, which is like a parade a Mardi Gras time down here. Yes, uh, yes. Secondly, is they didn't have the dumb penalties and the chaos that you saw last year. They didn't have to call timeout because they didn't have enough players on the field. They didn't jump offside one time. They only uh-huh. had two penalties overall. They knew they lined up right. They got in certain situations. Um, So I thought the plan was pretty specifically okay. It's just they didn't have the numbers to execute with the talent. And the question will be is where do they go from here and how quickly can they kind of implement this pass offense that that Gary Goff wants to bring on the fly now because now you're in season. Um, But, yeah, that's as far as, Cautiously optimistic is always the term I like to use. They were better where I thought they'd be better, and they were exactly about where I thought they were.
1: Okay. Um, The savvy Jim Gazzolo with us, the beat writer for McNeese State. The Cowboys, um, again, will take on – Rice, Saturday night. The Owls lost their season opener um in the Coliseum to fourteenth ranked Southern Cal, sixty-six to fourteen. So both teams trying to avenge a loss and get their get their season uh underway. When when did y'all get back? Uh from
4: that's a long trip, man. Four thirty in the morning. Trip, in the morning. The
1: planes, trains, and automobiles.
4: Just just a plane and four thirty in the morning. <laughs>
1: Ooh.
4: But I will, I will say this much about the, the upcoming trip to Rice. Um, Two-and-a-half-hour drive. I want to see how many people show up for McNeese yeah. uh, to see really where they're headed um, as far as the fan base goes and to see if people have caught on or if they're still kind of a wait-and-see.
1: So you last time we talked, you you, you wrote a great story about how um, Montana State came down to Lake Charles years ago, played uh, McNeese, and they said, this is what we want. This is how we want our football to be, how our fan base and how we put on games. So you're up there now, years later. Wh- what kind of show did they put on? What did you think of the stadium? What did you think of the crowd? What did you think of the environment?
4: Well, 21,000 people. And uh, people were behind the team. Uh, and I, I think they put on a, a really good game day showing. The, okay. the question now is can McNeese bring that here again? Which is kind of very strange. Um, but the, there are some things that McNeese is doing interesting this year. They're going to advance their tailgating, they're bringing all their traditional pregame stuff back, I hear. Good. And good. I think they're going to put it, I think they understand that they're in the entertainment business. As much as the football business and they they gotta get people into the building
1: no question. Well, Montana State made it to the title game of the uh, uh, of their division a year ago and a lot of people are uh clamoring that they they should get back there again and maybe win the whole thing. So, um again, there's no such thing as a moral loss, but um I, I thought a pretty good yeah. showing all all things said and they 17-17 after uh, you know after uh, 29 minutes, so then you got outscored. The better team kind of wore down uh, McNeese, but not yeah. bad. I'm glad you're back. I bet you you're a tired son of a gun.
4: You know, I watched football last night. I'll watch football tonight. If I can get my TV fixed.
1: How about that finish last night? (laughs) How about that? Absolutely crazy.
4: um, A strange game. A a strange game and uh, uh, a strange ending. How's that? (laughs) uh,
1: Perfectly placed. Perfectly placed. Jim, thank you so much, buddy. Um, Two and a half hour drive to Houston. That's a lot more acceptable than uh, than bozeman but bozeman's beautiful man it's beautiful it's, i know it was 98 degrees but give it another month and it's going to be just delightful so thank you man jim gazzolo with the american press So McNeese takes one on the chin, but uh, represented themselves pretty well, I believe. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill or even a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Alabama was Alabama. Georgia didn't look like they missed a beat. Um, uh, that that little quarterback, whoo, was he good? Tennessee, look. Well, let's put it this way: for the conference where it just matters more, it just means more. Thirteen and one opening day. We'll talk with Adam Spencer, Saturday down south, his thoughts. Let's get the rankings, top five teams in the SEC today. That's next here on the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers in southwest Louisiana. All right, Welcome back Uh, 18 minutes after the hour on this Monday, September the 5th, the year 2022, the SEC 13 and one in week number one, the only loss coming last night, of course, LSU loses um, in in the weirdest uh, of fashions to Florida State, but uh, Adam Spencer from Saturday down south is here to join us to talk about week one of the SEC. Adam, thank you for the time and thanks for joining us on a Labor Day, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's been a while, Jordy. How have Uh, you been? I I may be wrong, but um, (laughs) despite all the players they lost, Georgia looks just as good, if not better, than they did a year ago. Stetson Bennett the third. Wow, and Alabama's Bryce Young. He's running it now and throwing it. He might be the Heisman Trophy winner yet again. It looks to me, after just one week, I know. It looks like we're on a collision course to the same two teams, Georgia, Alabama. What do you think?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's hard hard to bet against either of those teams right now. I mean, that was the blueprint for Georgia, right, was, uh, you know, after that historic defensive performance last year. It's like, well, they can't be that good on defense again, and so the offense is going to have to step up. Well, on Saturday, we saw that the defense did look that good again, and in uh, and the offense also looked better so like this is a really scary georgia team i mean everybody is so quick to uh to be like well oregon sucks and it's like oregon was the number 11 team in the country and like and like yeah i think that they were maybe a little overrated there i would have uh, flipped you know i would put usc maybe at number 11 and dropped oregon to number 14 or so in the in the preseason poll but by any way you measure it that's a Oregon's a top twenty team in the country. Just with the amount of talent that they have and and the systems that they have in place, and uh, you know, for for Georgia to do that is just incredible, and it just sends a real statement that like, hey, there's the top three teams, and you know, at this point, maybe even the top two because Ohio State looked a little sloppy on Saturday night, and then there's everybody else, and it's not even close. 49-3
1: 49-3 to Georgia Bludgeon's Oregon. The surprise of the week, uh, the best game of the week, Billy Napier's debut um, with the Florida Gators taking on 7th ranked Utah. Can, can, and they beat them 29-26. Can Anthony Richardson, can one player take a team uh, into a great season? He was spectacular.
5: Yeah, I mean, he was, he was everything that florida fans wanted him to be and even more. Like he just looked so smooth out there and just like the game was coming so easily to him he was seeing things three steps before anybody else on the field saw it so you know i i just i he has all the talent in the world it's just crazy that dan mullen didn't get him more work last year um you know the only question with him is is can he stay healthy but you know i didn't see him take too many big hits i didn't either on saturday night even against a really really tough utah defense like that that you know we talk about you know oregon's a really good team utah's a legitimate playoff contender and or they were before they lost it at florida but that defense is loaded with athletes and uh you know they're gonna make things hard on the pac 12 this year but uh you know, Richardson looked comfortable and he didn't take too many big hits. So if he plays games like that all year, you know, just avoiding taking those big hits and avoiding getting dinged up, the skies will win it for him.
1: Boy, he yeah, he's uh his draft stock, if he can continue, is through the roof. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Another what I thought would be the best game, but uh Florida topped it barely. But uh Arkansas uh, in a top twenty five showdown, number nineteen Arkansas beat number twenty three Cincinnati, thirty one to twenty four. What'd you think of that? What what stood out to you in that one?
5: Yeah, I mean that was the KJ Jefferson show. You know, he he uh, he threw for three touchdowns and uh, and ran for the other. So you know he was he had a hand in all four of their touchdowns in that game. And uh, you know obviously with the final score the way it was, they needed every single one of them. So you know he's he's going to be a special player. I think that the receiving core needs a uh, a little bit of work. You know I'd like to see a little more from uh, Jaden Hazelwood, but uh, you know he made a couple of really nice plays. It's just going to be a comfort thing. And, uh, you know, when he needed help in the goal line situations, KJ went to Trey Knox, you know, he's been working with Trey Knox since they both arrived in Fayetteville. So there's a lot of comfort there. And, uh, you know, that's a nice security blanket to have down there in the red zone. So, yeah, I mean, the takeaway from that game was just, I was really impressed with KJ Jefferson because yeah, they lost sauce Gardner, Um, but that Cincinnati defense is still really good. So, For him to play that well in the season opener, that's just a a sign of good things to come this
1: fall. Adam Spencer, Saturday down South Alabama, cruised to a 41-zip halftime lead over Utah. Bryce Young ran for 100 yards, threw for a buck 95, had five uh, first-half touchdown passes. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, he's so good. Bama rolls 55-zip. I know voters don't like to do the same guy twice, uh, but, man, Man, he's, he looks like he's gotten better.
5: Yeah, I think he uh, I think he hurt himself, and I think he knew that when he was running that last touchdown in. Uh, I think he knew that that was going to end his day because you know maybe yeah. if he threw that touchdown, uh, Nick Saban would have maybe let him stay in for the next drive to try to tie the SEC single game record with uh, seven touchdowns in a game. Um, but when he ran that in, you saw him kind of looking around, looking at, you know just to see if anybody was around. <laughs> but I think he wanted. To throw that one rather than run it, but he made the right play. And, uh, you know, yeah, you're right. They don't like, the voters don't like to give it to the same guy twice in a row. So, you know, he threw for, you know, close to 5,000 yards last year and he had 47 touchdown passes and, uh, you know, a handful of rushing touchdowns. So, you know, if he can just really take that step forward with the optics of his stats, you know, let's say we get to 5,000 passing yards. Let's say we get to, to 50 touchdown passes, and let's say he runs for 10 touchdowns, those are nice looking numbers there, and it's going to be hard to keep the trophy out of his hands again if he can, uh, you know, show that sort of incremental improvement and uh, you know get to those nice round numbers that look really really good on a on a player's uh, stats sheet.
1: All right. All right. From what you saw, Tennessee was an easy winner. Um, you know, everybody won except LSU, and I don't want to talk about that one anymore. But um, in, in your power <laughs> rankings, who, who, give me your top five teams in the SEC very early, week one. But give them to me. Who, who, who's at the top of the heap?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's Alabama still. They didn't really do anything to prove that they shouldn't be number one. You know, yes, I was very impressed with Georgia. They're number two, but uh you know, I just don't think it's fair to uh, to knock Alabama down off that spot because you know the way I, I do power rankings is like neutral neutral site tomorrow. Who who wins? You put Alabama and uh, Georgia playing a game in Alaska or something. You know, I'll I'll still take Alabama in that one, and, okay. but it's it's uh, closer than I would have thought it would have been last week. Um, and then those I got are a pitch. given.
1: Now it gets interesting. Who's the third best team in the league?
5: Yeah, I still have Tennessee there. You know, I I was impressed with what you know. Arkansas is my number four fourteen. Uh, Florida jumped into the top five with that dom- with that really impressive win. Um, but Tennessee is still number three for me. I just still really really like that offense. Uh, you know, I didn't see anything to really dampen my enthusiasm for this uh, Tennessee squad. So until they change my mind uh, one way or the other, I think that they're number three. But uh, you know, they had to pit this weekend, so. That will, you know, if they're still number three next week this time, then uh, that means that they've scored a pretty convincing win. So, you know, we'll see how they do in that tough environment.
1: The coach of Pitt said, "You know, they 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 went down there and beat Tennessee a year ago, and um, Tennessee's coming up, and Tennessee's a favorite." In this one, he says, "Well, we just play in the Pee Wee League, so we'll we'll suit up. We'll see if we we we'll see how we play." Uh, I think that's going to be a very very interesting, difficult matchup. But Hooker was great, two hundred twenty-one yards passing, four touchdowns in the season opener with the the forty-nine point win over Ball State. Um, very very uh, interesting. to say the point um strike up the band i don't know how long it's been but vandy's two and oh i don't care who they play they're two and oh
5: yeah i mean this is a you know this is a team that has a real chance to go four and zero in non-conference play um you know it, you don't want to win games this way but uh you know wake forest Stark, qb sam hartman is out with a with a medical issue so you know that's not great you you don't want to beat a team at less than full strength but uh you know you still got to play the game and uh bandy can only play who's in front of them and uh so they have a real opportunity here to score not only a win but a top 25 win too and uh you know that would be just absolutely huge for momentum under clark lee and then you know then that that trip to north northern illinois like that's not going to be easy northern illinois is a good mac team and uh you know, we've seen some MAC teams give SEC teams trouble over the years. So, yeah. I, I still think though that uh, that this is a really improved Vanderbilt team, and you know, we might not see that in SEC play this year. They might still be winless in SEC right. play, but uh, they're not going to be a pushover like they have been in, in years past. That's for sure.
1: Some good games in Week Two: Alabama uh, at eleven o'clock kickoff at Texas, um, Tennessee at pit but boy all eyes are going to be focused on Gainesville, Florida again as Kentucky in an SEC East battle takes on the Florida Gators. I can't wait to watch that one.
5: Yeah, I mean just anytime that Anthony Richardson's on TV from now moving forward is just going to be appointment in television for uh die hard college football fans because you never know what he's going to do you know, who he's going to spin away from and, uh, you know, what sort of magic that he's going to bring to the table. And, um, you know, this Kentucky-Florida rivalry is no longer as one-sided as it used to be, Um, you know, but Kentucky's going into this game without uh, without Chris Rodriguez again, it seems. So they're going to have to uh, find some creative ways to win. But yeah, I can't wait to watch that one. That one might be at this point for, uh, you know, the top challenger to Tennessee for second place in the East this year.
1: Okay, in 30 seconds, you watched it last night, LSU, Florida State. What did you think of that? What do you think of LSU now after you watched them for 60 minutes?
5: You know, they're going to have to find a way to move the ball other than the last, you know, two minutes there. Uh, It just seemed like Jaden Daniels, he had some time, sometimes uh, in the pocket, but uh, just – couldn't either he wasn't making the right read or there was just no separation from the LSU receivers. So I agree. You know, we're going to have to find a way to get him going, uh, throwing the ball, not just running every time.
1: Very good analysis. All right, we shall see. Uh, Adam Spencer on Labor Day, man. Thank you. You, uh, you made my day. I greatly appreciate it. We'll talk soon, my friend. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right, Adam Spencer from Saturday down south. We'll take a time out here when we come back. The always entertaining Blake Rafino. I'm sure he has some things to say from the Are You Serious podcast as we roll on at 3.30 on this Monday afternoon on the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana.
0: A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we just talked uh, uh, about all the SEC games uh, this week, uh, this past weekend with Adam Spencer from Saturday Down South. Now let's get into the brass tacks of uh, of LSU's 24-23 loss to Florida State. Um, last night, Blake Rufino from the Are You Serious podcast kind enough to join us and uh, throw salt in the wound. Mason Smith is a big story today. He's out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL blake thanks for the time on labor day buddy how you doing doing good jordy uh
6: have been better
1: in my life but doing okay <laughs> okay just one game bunch of kids there I- i'm Very sure true. they're smiling today they're gonna to be fine and lsu fans just gonna to have to grow go through some growing pains okay um let's take some takeaways from and let's start you're an offensive lineman, so your thoughts: How the offensive line performed um, last night?
6: I thought that they had a very first, a very tough first quarter first half. Um, they couldn't really get a lot of things going. Uh, I thought as the game went on, they did a lot better. You can't give up a sack there late. Um, if you're can wire, you've got to overset. You got to be able to kick the help back inside, which he didn't do. But they did a lot better in the second half. I think what will go unnoticed uh, is how good Garrett Dellinger did after the bad snap. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, pro football focus, Jordy this morning came out and rated him the best offensive center um, in the SEC uh, in pass blocking, run blocking. He didn't have a lot of help on the outside. Um, Look, Will Campbell is still a freshman. But you got to be able to do some things, Jordy, in the winning game, and they couldn't get it moving. So couldn't, I thought that they had a, had a really bad first half. But I thought, from it, Mike I mean, because Den- look, Jordy, they had they had three drives over seventy-five yards. You, you don't do that with, with a bad offensive line. So
1: well, that's a pretty um, good quarterback that's running around for his life up. too. Got to give him some credit. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Got to give him some credit. What did you think of Mike Denbrock's game plan offensively, particularly early on?
6: Um. Thought it felt like that there was a, a lot of miscommunication between him and the players. Um, and, and really, tr- and truthfully, Jordy, look, so let's take this into account. And this is not me bashing on Kayshawn Boutique. Jordy, a oh. first round pick All American's got to come down with that fade, and he's got to get his head around and actually care on Thank that slant pass. Jordy, I already said. Points.
1: I already said earlier in the show I'd bench him. I mean, he's all about himself. He's not a team player. He pouts. Uh, if the ball's not thrown to him, he's not going to do anything else. I I, I, I'm, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I've seen players like that, and and the countdown is on, Blake, to how many games he plays before he says, "Eh, you know what? I'm kind of nicked up. I'm going to get ready for the for the NFL Combine."
6: Well, Jordy, let him do it. I agree. know, at this point. You know, at this point, if he wants to do it, let him do it. I mean at this point I don't really care anymore.
4: Because I, you know who you.
6: you know who does have the dog in him? Jure Jenkins.
4: Yep.
0: Brian
6: Thomas. Malik Neighbors. And, and and I feel so bad for Malik Neighbors last night. But Jordy he muffs a punt, they come right back to him and he gets two slants, two catches, two first yep. downs. Yep. You know, so amazing. um if he wants to do it, Jordy, let him do it. But what I'm not gonna, what I'm, when I'm tired of tolerating at this point from as an LSU fan and media, is, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. He's uh, Jordy, the, the slant. He's pallying on the sideline, yes! And Jane comes right back to him, and, and, and let's call it uh, what it is. He put it on a frozen rope that has to be called for a touchdown.
1: Yep. Oh, I'm with you. He he just dogged it. He dogged it. He was pouting, and he dogged it. And you don't think NFL scouts see that? I promise you. No, you know, uh, Did you see um, shade tweet the Jordan? Are You Serious podcast. Golly sakes alive. Can we tackle anybody? Yards after the first contact? I mean, I, I, terrible. Terrible. Oh. <sighs>
6: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the best player defensively yesterday was Kobe Richardson. They, Jordy, they went to him, tw- the McNeese State transfer, they went to him twice. He had two pass breakups, and they didn't even remotely go in his general direction. And I got to be honest, I'm here scratching my head as I'm breaking down film this morning. Why in the sam heck did they take him out of the game? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Jordy had two pass That's- breakups. They did not throw the ball in his general direction last night. And he had the pass break up in the end zone. Uh, I, I don't know. But I, I do agree, Jordy, there's, there's – I, I don't know. Tackling was bad. Uh, but here's the crazy thing about the defense, though. Jordy, you got to be able – got to be able to score points because the truth The truth is they only held – they held Florida State to seven points in the first half. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. – Oh uh, man! Whatever. What I, could have I gone swear, I thought Mike Norvell had, had
1: money on the game because he did everything in his power to give that game to LSU. I mean, give it to him. You you don't go for it fourth and seven, fourth and eight early in the game. You kick a field goal, you get points, and then that whatever they did, whatever they call that little toss pitch at the <laughs> goal line. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. That's
6: the most West miles thing I've seen since West. Thank miles.
1: you. That's a great analogy. That is a less miles deal here. No question. Um, okay, so they block a field goal. Brian Kelly says, look, we made some some personnel adjustments on that, and they come in and they, they block the extra point, and the guy just went zoop right at, right between our, our freshman tight end and uh, whoever's on the end of the line. And I didn't yeah, even put Cam a Cam Wire again.
6: Yeah, Cam Wire. Jordy, yeah. he, I went back and watched this morning, and in my notes, I literally have this. Somebody has to get fired if Cam Wires on extra point team again. Jordy, he got blown up three times. Yep. Three times. And you can't have... You know, I, I, I like the young man, and, you know, one play can make you look great, and one play can make you look really bad. I thought he had a solid game against you know, a guy that will be a first-round pick uh, at Florida State, the defensive end, number five. Yeah. Okay, but you can't – Jordy, that play, special teams, that exact thing is all about, do I have dog or not? You know, do you have enough fight to say, dog, you got a running start, but you can't move me? And, you know –
1: Look, I said this earlier, I'll say it again, and this is not hindsight. I, I, when when LSU scored uh, on the last play of the game after that 99-yard drive, um, I said to the people around me, I would go for two. I really would, simply for the fact that, yep. that Florida State defense was getting gashed, their, their confidence level was down, LSU had all the momentum. And I wasn't sure about the field goal kicker. I wasn't sure about him. I'd have gone for two. I really would. But that's me, uh, you know, just on the outside looking in. Look, they they do all the analytics and all that percent. But I don't do all that. I just play by my gut. And I thought at that time LSU was rolling. Let's go for the win and get it over with.
6: Well, Jordan, even if it's not about – even if it wouldn't have been about your you gashing them, you've had special teams issues all night.
1: Yeah. Right,
6: like, and and you know, this is what makes the Cam Wire sack that he gave up on that drive so critical, because at that point you could have taken the timeout and regrouped and said, "All right, guys, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go for two, but this is how we're going to execute it." Right, because you don't have any timeouts left, you don't have that ability. You have to, you have to kick the extra point, but. you know, I, I I agree with you. You know, but I'll say this, and I'll give Brian Kelly this, Jordy. That 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 one minute drive was that was awesome. So well coached. Yeah. You know, yeah, and exactly if that's what they had, what had to do. LSU has the future of Jordy. We're going to be we're, we're really well coached. You know, I said this just last night, and I said it this morning. And I'll say it on the show again tonight. At some point, at some point you've had two head coaches, you've had four different coordinators in here Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, you've had multiple position coaches changing. At some point, the players have to step up and say, this is on me. Yeah. Because we can criticize the original line all we want to. We can criticize what the staff did uh, yesterday. But the bottom line is, Jordy, that defensive line that's extremely talented, they're still the same undisciplined defensive line that we saw a season ago.
1: I'm with you. And now Mason Smith is out, done for the year, so that makes God, it... God, that uh, hurts so bad. ...complicates things so Journey, that's, dramatically. That's a, that's a um, season
0: killer. That's I, I what that you is. I think saw a why they killer. decided
1: that Jaden Daniels was going to be the starting quarterback. He, he's elusive. He can run. What did you think of his game overall?
6: Jordan, he's the best player on the team right now. Yep. I, I mean, he's the best player on the team. We went from a situation from, can he actually throw the football and is he accurate to... Hey guys, without him, we get blown out yesterday. Yeah, you know, and um, you see why. What and Jordy, I know we talked about it on your show. Now you see what has been happening in practice, Jordy. This isn't. I don't mean this in a wrong way. Nothing changed from the scrimmages we were we were at. Mm -hmm. He was doing the same stuff, right? The same stuff was happening, and so for that, you know, it kind of you know. And here's the crazy thing: I know that he ran. A fair amount, okay. But in that last drive, Jordan, he picked them apart, and and yes, everybody's saying that they're prevent all this kind of stuff. Jordan, they weren't prevent the first twenty, the first forty yards. No, nope. they weren't. They ran cover three, cover three, cover three. We ch- we charted it this morning. So, I, I mean, I thought that he played exceptionally great. You know, I thought when LSU couldn't score, I was asking myself, well, do you put Garrett in to give you a spark, and then he comes down. Jordan, the last three drives, the LSU had were over seventy five yards, and they mm-hmm. went down the field with tempo, and they and they picked them apart.
1: And you mentioned the word. Um, you mentioned you sure the word when they started to speed things up, get to the line of scrimmage in a hurry, snap the ball, let's play. That's when they were at their best, no question.
6: Right, right, no doubt, and they got to do that. They're going to have to continue to do that. Uh, and here's the crazy thing, Jordy. The, and I told you this on the show last week. The most underperforming group all camp has been the running backs. We went back and watched it this morning, Jordy. Ooh. There was three times that they missed wide open holes, yeah, wide open, and not it good. Was, it, it's egregious how yeah. bad that they missed wide open wide open holes. <laughs>
1: I mean, they, it's like they got nobody back there. I hope that kid gets off of suspension and, and gets back into play. Uh, they don't need him against Southern, but they're they going to need him the rest of the way. John Emery Jr., my gosh, they got no running backs. Um, yeah, uh, disappointed in Booty for sure. Um, Jack Besh didn't play that much, but he did make a catch. Um, the freshman tight end, other than, uh, you know, he, he looked pretty good so so where do we go from here what uh what's your what's your level of confidence you said we're a well coached team we got a really good quarterback we think um offensive line got better so wh- where where's the big concern now
6: yeah i think the big concern is just being dis, being more disciplined right like I think that this team can still get to nine wins. I really do believe that. Okay, because when you have a quarterback that's that electric, Jordy, a lot of what we saw with Anthony Richardson uh, at Florida, yeah. you, you, he can make he can win you football games, Jordy. He could have He he's supposed to win you the game last win you the game last night, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you got to take it one game at a time. Looking forward and saying LSU's back, you got to take it. Look, Jordy, I, I get it, Southern. Go out there and put sixty on them, okay. Right. And I hate to say it like that, but you got to build confidence. Yeah. And I think that this team just doesn't have any confidence, and it showed a lot last night. <laughs>
1: I'm with you. Uh, Blake Ruffino of the Are You Serious podcast. What a great moment, uh, opportunity for Southern. I hope they get paid a million dollars. I don't know what the payout's going to be. Uh, boy, what a big help to their entire program to play. It'll be the last time they ever play, I think, in Tiger Stadium. Uh, but what a great opportunity.
6: Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, it should be rocking. Um but you know how LSU fans can get after a loss, so we'll see uh, you know how how, how big it's gonna, how big the turnout's going to be.:
1: The other thing that impressed me about Jaden Daniels, the first person over to uh, console Malik neighbors after the muff punk was Jaden Daniels. Um, and then, yeah, and, and, and Jordan, you know, you know what's something crazy? He,
6: He's the second player in, in, in LSU's history to have 200 yards uh, passing and 100 yards rushing. The only other person to do that was Joe Burrow in 2018 against A&M.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretty good, uh, pretty good first performance to say the least. So um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens. Who's who's going to be back fielding punts next week, um, and how much improvement they can make uh, as they bludgeon Southern University. All right, my guy. Uh, thank you. Thank you yeah, so gotta, much. Sounds we like got the like little man kids waking hanging up around. From the That's Labor an awesome day, day. Nap, Jordy. <laughs> go, go have fun with them, and I appreciate your time, buddy. Uh-huh. Thanks, Jordy. Go Tigers. I right, Blake Ruffino from the R U You Serious podcast. We'll come back and we will uh, wrap this up, set the tone for the rest of the week. One more segment to go on this Labor Day on the Jordy Helpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home. For the Houston Astros up 10 games in the uh, AL Central uh, and the LSU Tigers who try to bounce back after that incredible loss to Florida State. We'll be right back.
0: Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the blonde bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. may not be as golden or as long but jordy is still making a name for himself back to more of the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: all right welcome back Um, terrible terrible news for lsu defensive lineman mason smith uh, he has a torn ACL, will be done for the season. He was poised for a breakout sophomore year and now has to come back from a major, major injury. That's just, I feel terrible for the young man. We already know that John Emory Jr. is suspended for two games for academic reasons. Now we learn that LSU safety Joe Fuchsia is facing a four-game suspension due to academics and his transfer from Arkansas to to lsu so just keeps piling on and on and on and on all right special thanks to our guest today corey diaz covering uh the Ragin' cajuns as uh chandler fields and return specialist eric garrar uh earned louisiana football player of the week honors on monday by the louisiana sports writers association so congratulations to the two of them jim gazzolo um Positive signs for McNeese. Uh, how many fans are going to make the two-and-a-half-hour drive to Houston to see the Cowboys take on the Rice Owls? That's the question Jim had to offer for all you Cowboy fans out there. Adam Spencer has Alabama number one, Georgia number two, Tennessee number three in his SEC power rankings after week one. The big game is coming up is um, Kentucky at florida billy napier with the surprise game of week one as they shock utah 29 to 26 and then blake Rafino from the are you serious podcast he and i both agree that Jaden daniels was uh, was terrific at the quarterback position and gives lsu lots of chances to do some really really good things um tomorrow the saints opener on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. They're five and a half point favorites in that one. We'll start delving into that, Bob Rose, uh, with the black and gold report and more on all of your favorite teams. If today, September 5th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Some of you young ones won't know it, but some of you older ones will. Raquel Welsh is 82 years old today and still looks magnificent. James, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Come on back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. Let's be happy. So long, everybody.